Have you guys seen the video of the Iron Sheik eating a cheeseburger and screaming about Rob Ford? No. <laughs> no. Right. Uh, there's there's a great uh, documentary out on him that I have not watched yet. All right, should we go? Well, all right. Um, <laughs> well, let's get going. I started recording, so... Um, we're gonna keep the Rod Ford, uh, Rod Rob Ford commentary in there. <laughs> okay. Cool. Didn't mean to cut you off, MJ. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't doing anything important. The Dave's you know this is the Dave's I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Another week of Zoom, uh, another week of talking over each other, uh, MJ not being able to get a word in edgewise. Um, it's my job here. Internet is way slower than everybody else's internet, so. <laughs> anyway, you just went on the Zoom, you look like you're, like it's like shifting, 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 like you're not, it's not a fluid movement, MJ, so. Uh, uh, probably due to my horrible camera lighting, but yeah. Or all all three of those things. Uh how have you guys been? How was your how was your uh uh quarantine week number four? Three, three I think. All right, I don't even I have just I fucking lost track of time. One big party. Three all weeks. <laughs> it's always a party. At least it's starting to get warmer, right? Like you can go out and and That's true. stand around on a sidewalk and not also freeze to death. Go for yeah. run. Yeah, I spent most of the day today out on my porch. It was kind of nice. Yes. Supposed to be even nicer tomorrow. Supposed to get a thunderstorm. These are two Ooh. good things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been, uh, I like to bike. And so I, 30 days of biking kicked off at the beginning of April. So like midweek last week. So I've been biking every day, you know, at least try to do at least four to five miles. And it's a little harder with a, with a uh, one-year-old to, say i'm just gonna go bike for two hours and suck on that kid so i'm gonna have to like manage my biking i'm trying to do a little more on the weekends so yeah but mj how was how was your week eventful yeah yeah got a lot done had a lot of had had more zooms than i've ever had so that is true uh several of us got got together and watched uh our first game from the uh, Minnesota Sports Federation uh, State Broomball Tournament. So that was good. You watched an a amateur broomball game? Yeah, that we played in, so we could kind of learn from mistakes made. So It's game tape, Zeller. Respect the game. Sure. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah, cool. we, wa- we watch some room ball and discuss like ways that we could do things better. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, we also had our first uh, Dave's I Know uh, Happy Hour Twitch stream uh, awesome. on Friday of last week. Uh, also got Zoom bombed. Uh, <laughs> part of it. That I missed it. Which I definitely was trying to avoid. And I, I did. I was trying to avoid it by setting up a. Uh, a waiting room and then i accidentally hit a button where i let allowed everybody who was in the waiting room into the the chat and somebody like shared their screen and they were actually doing it was actually quite informative a uh anti-vaping uh powerpoint that they were presenting then uh, <laughs> someone was drawing dicks all over the the thing and then somebody like shared their screen and it was just like literally was like a, a vagina um it was, uh it was quite hilarious I felt like I was in uh, the first season of American Vandal from uh, Netflix. There, <laughs> was Dylan's a Dylan's a known dick drawer. <laughs> there were dicks everywhere. So, uh, yeah. So that was that was a fun fun time. Yeah, I it was a hell of a lot of fun just to see people and talk old school dark clouds and whatever other shit we talked about. It was I I had a blast. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, and and we had a lot of people. It was it was really really great to see. And Doreen brought half a farm. That was good. We got to see, yes. to see rabbits and chicks. And yep, that. I was in one with her the next day, and she brought the other half of the farm. I think. <laughs> and I, they had more chicks born the next day, and I think their farm just keeps growing exponentially. It's like it's like tribbles. <laughs> If she starts growing tribbles, then we'll really be in trouble. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Three, two, one. Uh, all right. Well, um, that's great to hear all that fun stuff for the for the week. Um, Patreon, um, as you guys are obviously all well aware, um, Patreon benefits. Uh, obviously, we have the beer. Um, we are working. And I've, if you follow the Days I Know Twitter account, you will see that uh, Hop Clouds is working on some new beer for uh, the relaunch of the MLS season, whenever the fuck that happens. Um, so get involved, patreon.com backslash the days I know. One of the things that we actually were able to purchase with that uh, Patreon money was the Zoom Pro account so that we can actually do like extended happy hours and things like that. So hopefully uh, we're going to maybe do happy hours once every week or so, maybe every other week. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe potentially do some uh, uh, Patreon-only stuff. People are really into that. So if you have any thoughts or ideas, uh, hit us up at TDAKMN on Twitter, uh, patreon.com backslash Daves I know to help support the Daves that you know. Uh, all right, moving along. Let's, uh, let's dive into this thing. Uh, what the hell happened uh, last week? Uh, COVID-19 edition. Uh, first things I have, um, I think... MJ, you, me, and Bill were on the uh, Twitch stream uh, from on fr- uh, is it Saturday night? Yeah. Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Yeah, the uh, Dark Clouds did a, a t- Twitch stream of the 2014 highlights. Um, it was uh, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, Bill, your brother uh, Bruce was one of the commentators, as well as Notch, uh, Elisa, uh, and uh, um, Colin Solberg. Uh, Nick yeah. Rodriguez uh, was. Uh, editing and producing this the thing. So yeah. Nick um, did an amazing job. Tell, you guys want to talk a little bit about uh, about that? 
They, they, and they did the 2014 season. If I didn't, I think I mentioned that, but I wasn't sure. So yeah, yeah, it was it was just highlights. I, I really really enjoyed just seeing a bunch of people online that I haven't seen in a while, and uh, of course watching uh, NASL era highlights is always fun. The watching highlights of of games rather than watching a game doesn't leave a lot of downtime to, to chit chat about things. So sometimes it was obvious that chit-chatting and reminiscing about things not related to the game and you know everything's a banger right there's just highlights of goals and goals and goals there's a few misses in there but but they didn't didn't show any of the losses either so right well they're choosing to do a a full game i think next time which will be i think will work out better for the format yeah and next time will be in two weeks from uh last saturday so the 18th i believe i think they announced it on twitter today April 18th. It's, um, uh, let me pull it up. Uh, twitch.tv, uh, slash MN dark clouds. So if you go, if you're, a, if you already have a Twitch account, uh, I literally signed up for Twitch. Cause I was like, I should, I was, actually was watching Wes play uh, football manager. Cause I had never played football manager before. So I wanted a little bit of advice. So I was like, Oh, fuck it. I'll sign it for, I had no idea what the fuck Twitch was before I signed up for it. So I have a Twitch account now and I don't know. Maybe the Daves can do something on Twitch. This, I think that might be actually a, a great place for us to do our sort of uh, MST 3K style yeah. of a match or something. We can do it Dave style uh, and not Dark Cloud style, um, which means a lot more cursing, uh, yeah. a lot more uh, sexual innuendos than uh, rewatching a match with uh, the Dark Clouds. So, Bill, uh, do you have any thoughts on on the Twitch uh, thing on Saturday? Yeah, it was it was great. I mean it. A lot of memories, but unbelievable how many things that completely gone out of my mind. Yeah, back then, and how many things you forget from you know six years ago, five years ago, um, you know, and and things that come back. Um, that was a great season. Um, you know, we we made it all the way to the playoffs. It's a heartbreaking end of a season. Got fucked uh, by in the playoffs. Yep, yep, we got fucked, and uh, fucked by Otis. And, uh, you know, but God, it was, it was such a great fall. I just remember, you know, just those nice cool weather games and yeah. it, was, it was beautiful. That spring season was great too. So, yeah. Um, it also was fun to see, uh, uh so Chris Lindholm dropped into the, uh, the Twitch chat as well as Brian Korstad. Um, for those of you who are, uh, Brian hasn't been on the podcast, but obviously Chris Lindholm has been on the Dave Zeno podcast many times. Uh, almost as many, not as many times as Bruce, but close, I'm close getting up there. Um, and so it was fun to uh, see him drop into the, uh, into the Twitch chat and, uh, kind of fuck around with him and have him sort of like bring in, he's got, that dude has, uh, way more knowledge of, uh, Minnesota soccer. Like he's got, he's forgotten more about Minnesota soccer than I think any of us remember about Minnesota soccer. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, April 18th, I think, is when the next one will be. Uh, so keep an eye out if you uh, get the Dark Clouds emails. It'll be in there. Yeah. Uh, you can follow at MN Dark Clouds on Twitter. Um, they'll post the link, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, so there's some, been some like other sort of random soccer uh, news that's happened. Um, let's start first with uh, the easiest one, I guess, is MLS. Uh, they announced, I think it was a couple of days ago, that they were supposed to theoretically uh, restart their season or restart training and stuff on uh, Friday of last week. That obviously was not going to happen. 
Uh, they have announced that they pushed their moratorium to April 24th. Um, again, I think that's probably, there's, they're just going to keep pushing it out several weeks at a time until they can actually start playing matches again, which maybe never. So who the hell knows? Do you guys have any thoughts on, on the MLS stuff? I mean, obviously. Let's, let's go back to, to several weeks ago when, when Dave, you called the, the over-under at July 4th. Um, I took the under just barely. I said June 20-something, which is making me look like an idiot, which is nothing new. But where where is everyone else on on that uh, July Fourth over under now? Where, would you would you slide that one way or the other? I'm still on an over. Um, I really think we're going to have like a a small fall season, almost a tournament. I think one of the hardest things is going to be that you're going to have places that legitimately could probably hold certainly closed door matches, mm-hmm. maybe even open just depending on how things flow. And then you're going to have places where that just looks like ludicrous insanity. Yeah. Um, so it's, I, I, I'm still going to, I'm with Bill. I'm still going to take the, uh, the over on it, but I think there's going to be pretty loud calls for, Hey, we could do a, you know, have everyone in Portland, for example, or Denver, and we'll just do a big old tournament thing there, which, yeah isn't going to work either but i think as we get past peak people are going to start getting pretty stir crazy and i think one of the first things you'll start to see are calls for sports to return yeah can you unpack dan your you you said that it's not going to be equal or you know some places would be able to do and and not are you saying they'd be at different points of the outbreak they would be peaking at different times yeah more or less um so you know we saw the first major U.S. city to get hit badly was Seattle. Um, And they are nowhere near in the shape that they were, you know, three or four weeks ago. Um, The nature of of the outbreak. Oh, man. I don't know how technical we want to get. Uh, Basically, you have about 25% of the population that gets the virus that is asymptomatic. So they will never know that they had it. Um, And right now, well, as of like today, truly like this morning, we have what's called a serological test, which then you can test people's blood to see if they have the antibodies that would be, uh, that you would get from a successful fight against the virus. So in theory, at least, those people then couldn't get infected and get really sick. Um, We don't know whether they could be carriers yet. We don't know. We don't know. There's a lot of things we don't know. Um, Mayo Clinic is doing a big trial starting Friday, last Friday, um, to take a bunch of people who we know had the virus, we know fully recovered, and do what's called a convalescent plasma treatment, which is where you take their plasma uh, and you inject it into current patients so that they have the antibodies they need to fight the virus. So, wow. like, let's talk broad theory here. Let's say. Well, and all of this is predicated on having enough serological tests to test like an entire population. But right now, today, Seattle probably has a massive number of recovered or fully recovered cases, some of which were asymptomatic, some of which people didn't know they had it and just thought they were super sick for a while, or they did, they were pretty sure they had it, but they couldn't get a test for sure. So let's say come June 1, 
that 75% of Seattle's population cannot get the virus again, we think. Um, we think. Let's, so let, let me rephrase that more accurately. 75% of the population at one time or another had the virus and fought it successfully. For them, they could fill a stadium then with people who were not a danger to themselves or others. Uh, that is then not going to be true for a place like, um, let's say Dallas, which doesn't, hasn't reached its peak yet and probably won't for another couple weeks. So all of a sudden you end up with a population in one place that could probably host a game safely, but their opponents couldn't. And so, and that's just going to be true based on when first cases hit, it's going to be true based on how effective social distancing was there. And I think one of the hard things is going to be that Minnesota, because we social distance so effectively and so early, is going to be on that earlier side. I think people here took it more seriously. And that sounds like a moral judgment. I don't mean it that way necessarily. But, I mean, we saw, I think it was the first weekend of uh, the shelter-in-place order. Traffic around the cities, which is a pretty common proxy variable for Uh, how seriously people take shelter in place orders traffic dropped 80 percent in the metro and that is a massive massive drop i mean you couldn't short of a zombie apocalypse you couldn't ever expect to see or like every road in town being under construction all at once so but the hard thing about the united states is it's really really big um we're going to talk later about the fact that Germany already has clubs training again and they can do that because Germany is sort of a self-contained unit. They could close borders. They could do a lot of things internally that made them distinct from other Western European countries. So for example, um, the distance between Milan and Munich is almost exactly the same as Seattle and Minnesota. And so where, yeah, Italy needs to maintain their protocols. They couldn't, you couldn't even have a discussion about, oh, well, maybe we should open up uh, the stadium in Turin again. It'll be great. Like people would, people would riot uh, because against whoever suggested that because it's such a stupid suggestion. And yet in Germany, because they took the case so differently, you can have that conversation at least. So that's a little bit where the U.S. is going to be in a very interesting position trying to get sports back on because you do have to have the sort of nationwide consensus you can't go sector by sector um so but but there's a huge asterisk on it though that we really don't know if we don't know if you can reinfect or not right yeah you know there's like what there's until today there was like nine states that still were not enforcing uh stay-at-home orders um the fucking governor of georgia just was like oh i only knew like 24 hours ago that People who are asymptomatic could infect other people. We have a very, we have a dearth of uh, yeah. knowledge in this country. Um, and we have you know, literally like people like, was, like Iowa doesn't have a stay in place order. And there are, I, I know for a fact, there are Iowans who are Minnesota United fans who would come up here. And I'm not saying that they are the idiots who would. I blame them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but blame uh, Bancroft Gagne and uh, yep. Iowa loons and all those. Guys. Iowa loons. I'm sure that they are they are doing their part. They're they are staying in place. They are not the fucking idiots, uh, the Republican idiots that are running Iowa right now. But 
um, the fact that you know each that every it's different in every other every state also I mean what do you do do you like do you only let home fans in um, so like just like sporting Kansas City like you know Kansas City can't Kansas is not a you know not great right now um, like do they just not let Minnesota fans in or do Minnesota fans even want to fucking travel down to Kansas City uh, knowing that they could very well if they're stopping in Iowa for gas get infected with COVID because fucking Iowa is fucking Iowa. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy situation. So I, I, yeah, I said 4th of July cause I figured that would, if you started at 4th of July, you could probably play an, uh, an intra conference schedule home and away. You'd get 24 games then total. Um, that would count towards your standings. And that would you know, in terms of like making it uh, manageable, and being equitable for both conferences and, and for every single team, just playing at your conference makes a ton of sense. Um, I am also heavily leaning towards that we might start in like maybe like August. Like I don't think the state fair is going to happen this year. Um, no, and no. So the state fair is not happening. Would you go to the state fair? I would not. No. I mean, I, <laughs> I my, don't know. my family loves the state fair. Yeah, I me too. Fucking state fair this year. But the, the, so the, the other question here though is like, is our is MLS willing to do it in closed stadiums? So if they're willing to do it in closed stadiums, I think they could start in July. I think they could like July fourth as a kickoff for a very short intra conference schedule of uh, twenty two games or twenty four games or twenty three games, depending on whether you've already played conference opponents. I think you could do that if you're willing. If MLS is willing to do a uh, closed stadium thing. The problem is, is that they don't make their fucking money on TV. They make the MLS teams make their money on, uh, you know, yeah, on ticket sales, concessions, ticket sales, and concessions. Yeah. And so, if that's the case, I, we're not gonna. Yeah, I think we're not gonna see. Yeah. MLS soccer till maybe September at the earliest. Yeah. Labor and Day. The situation where you may see a resurgence. Um, there's a fair amount of chatter about a two wave effect and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and to Bill's point, we don't know. We don't yeah. have a fucking clue. Yeah. It might. It quote, might not. To quote uh, dumb fuck Rumsfeld, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Um, do not quote Don Rumsfeld on this fucking. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's talk about a league that is actually talking. They actually have some theoretically have some plans. Uh, the Premier League, uh, and then we can talk a little bit more like Europe generally, because um, I know you. you uh, both you and Dan, Bill and Dan have alluded to uh, Germany. Uh, the Premier League, uh, there was a, late last week, there was a, a funny story about how they were thinking about just moving the entire Premier League to a place that had already been infected, yeah. like Wuhan. Yeah. <laughs> Going to China and just playing the rest of the Premier League season in China, which was like, I was like, that's, that's a fucking Onion article, right? Wow, yeah. Thing that people proposed, and there was obviously, and, and, and rightfully, like, uh, put a, you know, put poo-pooed very quickly. However, there was a Daily Mirror, New Mirror article that came out uh, yesterday, or, yeah, I think it was yesterday, basically saying uh, that the, they're hoping to start at the beginning of June um, behind closed doors. And this is something we talked about last week, and sort of doing, like, a World Cup style, whether it's on training grounds or it's, it's you know, everybody's sort of quarantined. Um, and then FIFA also uh, related to the uh, just general European w- world, I guess, 
with the exception of fucking Belarus um, uh, calendars, just basically saying you can extend your seasons indefinitely um, because they, I think they want to have every season end as much as they possibly can. So um, what do you guys think about the Premier League stuff? Are we going to get a Premier League season uh, or finish the Premier League season? Um, I think they're going to run out of time. You know, I think they're going to run into uh, August where – People are wanting to start their uh, FC, uh, the FA supporters shield and things like that. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, is they, with the extending it indefinitely, I mean, you could like, you could theoretically play your season into December and then start your new season and do an abbreviated 20, 2020, 2021 season starting in January. Or, yeah. Or, or, obviously or, 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 calendar, MJ. This, yeah, they're, they're obviously from that February to, to November calendar. Isn't England slightly behind us in the curve with the virus? Yeah. yeah and, uh, right. and so I think June 1st is pie in the sky. And if their prime minister passes away, they're going to go ape shit. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> um, but, but I think the biggest, the biggest difference between England and us is that they care more about their TV money then they care about their fucking gate money. They're they're not opposed to playing behind closed doors, um, if it means losing seven hundred fifty like million dollars uh, or billion dollars or so. Well, I can't remember what, what it was, but it's like their, their gate their gate receipts are insignificant compared to sure. each team gets from their TV yeah. contracts. Right, it's like so, NFL here. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, 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 it's the exact same sort of thing. Like. Yeah, so I, I think they have a much more they have much more of a, uh, a a desire to get the season done in a short orderly time than MLS does because they could give. I mean, obviously, it's going to suck if Liverpool wins the Premier League like in the Midlands somewhere with no fans. Um, yeah, because also where are those fans going to? I mean, they're probably just going to go fucking congregate at a bar in Liverpool. <laughs> so like, yeah. Not gonna be the greatest thing in the world, but um, so yeah, and it'll suck uh, in that respect. You know, suck for teams that like qualify for uh, Champions League, or you know, if, if Sheffield or or Wolves make a run and and you know qualify for Champions League, something it'll, it'll suck that they don't they're not gonna be able to celebrate with their fans or that. But you know, it's there's so much fuck, more fucking money involved in European soccer than there is in MLS soccer that they have a much bigger impetus to get those games done. So. It's true, but you brought up a really good point, which is there's sort of a moral hazard effect to having games at all. So, I mean, let's let's say a counterfactual here. So you ship every Premier League player to like, like Gibraltar, whatever. You sequester everybody on the island. You're doing temp checks every day. You can ensure everybody is a healthy 100%. So the, the players are safe, and that's a huge thing. A lot of this is going to come down to do the players feel safe. Players, referees, TV crew. I mean, there's there's not, it's not just the players. Like – team staff like doctors things like that it's like i think that's the thing is that people don't necessarily they, they are not considering like when they say oh world cup style camps that's great if it's just the players but it's like is it the is it just the players or you're not going to let the players bring their wives or kids right okay fine but like you also have the the tv staff like all the tv crew and, and radio crews and i mean it's you have to make it as bare bones as possible but so i mean that's still what a couple hundred people a game right yeah. Well, and the, so the moral hazard component that I was talking about is if you stage games, people are going to go. Yeah. There is a massive incentive to be wow. the speakeasy style bar that opens up that 
you know, one firm or one supporters group or another congregates at, it's all word of mouth, whatever. Like, it's fun. It's illicit. It's, it's a disease hotbed. Like, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't some vice law that people are flouting. Like, they're... Yeah, I just don't get how insurance is going to work with all this in our country. What was that? I don't know how insurance is going to work in our country with insurance companies letting stadiums reopen and and things like that. Yeah, you know, that, you, you know they're going to you know want that's, different rates. That's the other big thing too. Is like we don't. I mean, what is like what is like what are like insurance policies do leagues mm-hmm. have about canceled seasons? You know, like at what point does it make sense for MLS just to cancel their season and say fuck it and uh, if there's, I mean, assuming they, I'm, I would, I would assume they have some sort of insurance policy on something like this happening. Probably not, but I, I mean, I would feel like you, you'd want to have something like that. But boy, uh, if if I, if if that happened with my car, my rates might go up a little bit. So I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what might happen. Yeah, Just on, a, on a on a local like small sports level, Broomball canceled its last two major tournaments of the year. One was we we had someone who would have liked to put it on. He says like none of my insurance people want to cover if there's an outbreak in the arena. Yeah, and and so you know that's that insurance companies affecting how sports work in this country. Who is going to insure, you know, oh, you want to have it this state? Yeah, we'll insure, you know, if, you know, they, they already have the standard insurance policies for if someone gets hurt on the job, you know, there's blood that leaks at the stadium, something like that. Yeah. You know, th- this is a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah. The USA Broomball re- was willing to forward $325 of our $500 for USA Nationals um, for next year. So we we lose um, $175, if you will, for, but, but we, we can basically put that money towards Nationals next year. When people had an outcry of this, the USA Broomball uh, manager like emailed everybody a flyer from Grandma's Marathon where Grandma's Marathon canceled this year not refunding anyone's entry fees yeah and i mean for for particularly smaller tournaments and marathons and sort of one-off events like you kind of can't afford to go a full year without any revenues um one thing that's come up a lot in in discussions about you know canceled events or rescheduled events or when sports plays is is, look somebody's going to take a loss on this and it's always a question of who loses. Is it fans? Is it TV companies? Is it stadium leaseholders? Is it insurance companies? Nobody wants to take the size of loss that probably is going to result from this. And But somebody's going to get left holding the bag, right? So for USA Broomball, what they're basically saying is, if you want USA Broomball to exist going forward, you have to share losses with us. Mm-hmm. And that's and Grandma's Marathon basically said for Grandma's Marathon to continue existing, uh, we have to distribute the loss among all of you. We can't personally take it, and you know this sucks when you're talking about five hundred dollars and you know a 
I don't know what uh, the race fee at grandma's is probably like 125 or something like that. When you're talking about literally billions of dollars and knowing just how many of these teams outside of your sort of big four, big six, however you want to cut it, like straight up, they're on a razor's edge. I mean, think about the, think about the teams facing relegation. And if they don't get, they're not going to get a parachute payment. They're not going to get TV dollars. How likely is it that they're going to even be allowed to even to be functional to play next year? Now extrapolate that down the table for Champions League, League One, League Two. You're going to get clubs that straight up collapse if they can't finish their season because they have to have that revenue. Yeah, so I feel like there's a, there's some force majeure language in, in contracts, especially at like the EPL and championship season. Let's talk about some other uh, more yeah. like stuff. Uh, you want to turn this into an insurance podcast? Yeah, it's, it's, been, yeah. it's been an epidemiology podcast, uh, thanks to Dan Wade, and then cool. it's been an insurance podcast. Can uh, we get an actuary in here for next next <laughs> next week? No, I, don't, I used to know an actuary. Uh, and he was like, and maybe a comptroller the following week. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about a couple other things. Um, so Liverpool, uh, to the delight of everybody, announced that they were going to take care, take advantage of the government scheme of uh, furloughing their non, uh, you know, their game day employees, uh, letting the government pay eighty percent of their salary, and then Liverpool picking up the random, the other twenty percent to make them whole. Uh, and then, of course, there's an outcry of. Uh, people um, mostly a lot of supporters being basically like this is like a million dollars of your 430 million dollar grossing team last year what the fuck are you doing and then of course a lot of uh, a lot of haters of Liverpool basically saying yeah haha fuck you Um, yeah because Everton supported all their staff so yeah and then uh, you know Liverpool did did the right thing they reversed themselves today and said no no well we're not going to take advantage of this thing the government was actually offering every single team um, and Liverpool, which is, it's, this is such a crazy thing because Liverpool is, is in terms of like their team and, and Jordan Henderson and all that, they've actually been on sort of like the cutting edge and the front line of, of being proactive about this stuff. Um, the fact that they did this was just reeked of uh, Minnesota United uh, front office level of incompetence, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Boyd. With way more resources. Yeah, luckily they like they reversed course a lot quicker than Minnesota United has done when they've done dumb shit. So, um, but I really want to talk mostly, guys, about uh, all of the uh, 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 champ, or, you know, EPL football players releasing videos saying about how you should not go out, you should stay home, stay safe, and then getting busted. And then they do. <laughs> Not staying home, not staying safe. Um, Jack Grealish being uh, one, basically put out a video, and then literally like within less than twenty four hours later, like had, was at a party and crashed his vehicle yep. out from an event. And then most recently, uh, uh, this is very you know I love the good shot in Freud of uh, Man City fucking up. Kyle Walker um, <laughs> having a sex party, uh, literally again like twenty four hours after he put out a video saying. Stay home, stay safe, all that. I want to know what a Kyle Walker sex party involves. Uh, you know, is it I, just him, him and some hookers, or is it? Do you, you know, really want to know? Yeah, I do. Kyle Walker sex party. The article said escorts, Bill. Es- okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there's a line. Not stay at home. There's a line from the very first episode of Arrested Development where Michael says to Job, he, sa- he says, are you going to do one of your tricks? And Job <laughs> says, 
tricks are for whores, Michael. <laughs> and, and they turn around and there's like eight little kids waiting for Job to, to do the trick. And they're all sitting there with their mouths just gaped open. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah, it, was, it was two escorts, him and a buddy, uh, two escorts. Um, that was, he did that on the night before he uh, issued a message. This is on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, he issued a message imploring people to observe quarantine rules. Um, number one, uh, how fucking, uh, like, I don't know, baller's not the right word, but <laughs> the, uh, is the British press and the British tabloids to go after fucking Kyle Walker to be like, yeah, we got you, buddy. Fuck yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, they're, they, are, they are like bulldogs uh, when it comes to... Uh, fucking over their uh their fellow citizens uh, they're, they're prudes and then they put you know nude women on on you know the third page of the paper or whatever so anyways well so, since i know kyle walker listens to this podcast i'm sure jamie yes. has told all the man city players about this podcast i would just like to say that you know not that long ago several people on this podcast told me for the first time about about this thing called internet porn you know yeah. and it, and that is a safe alternative in this time. And he didn't have a sex party. He's a John who hired a sex worker. You didn't think he had sex at the sex party? That's not a sex party. Come on. A sex party is like more than four people. <laughs> I just feel like we have not explored nearly enough sex parties. Enough seriousness. The fact that Kyle Walker, who is notorious for falling down on defense has once again fallen down on defense. <laughs> I also take great schadenfreude in this because you can take the Spurs out of a player, but you can't take the player out of Spurs. Or sorry, back, <laughs> vice versa. You can take a player out of Spurs, you can't take the Spursiness out of a player. Wait, he plays soccer? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I just want to – I would love yeah. to uh, spend a little more time, uh, like, having a conversation with you, Bill, about – um, how less than four people. Heard well, it. here's my actual feeling on it, and I'll wrap it up. I'll wrap it up really quick. Sure. A sex, a sex party. People are there voluntarily. They're not paid. Ah, eh, fair. But I mean, when you're the the entire yeah. reason for the party is sex, I, that does that yeah. not make it a sex party? It's like DJing somebody's wedding. It's still not your wedding. Yeah. 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 Sure. Anyways, all right. Um, and other lighter, lighter news. Uh, hey, there was bribery for the 2018 and 2022 World Cup. Uh, no one saw that one. Coming. Who uh, knew that? Gambling in this establishment. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Those are the Russia and Qatar years, right? Um, yeah. Weird, right? Um, what? Indictments were unsealed uh, in New York. God bless New York. Uh, in spite of this. Uh, they're in the middle of a fucking corona crisis and they're like un like unfeeling uh bribery documents and, and taking down concrete could be unsealing much worse yeah and all that so um as we all knew uh jumping jack warner five million dollars in bribes to get the 2022 world cup in qatar so he's got, he's got to heat the uh warner uh Track and field and sports uh, palace there. In, so uh, Concacafy, so yes. Concacafy. Yeah, um, but yeah, a bunch of other, a bunch, a bunch of like a couple of twentieth uh, first century Fox TV execs were charged 
with uh -huh. uh, bribes for getting uh, Fox the rights to the 2018 uh, and 2022 uh, World Cups, which yep. when, when they moved the 2022 World Cup from summer to uh, winter, they automatically just basically like re-upped their contract with Fox for 2026, conveniently in the US and Mexico and Canada um, with literally no bidding from anybody else. Um, so that was all fun. And I just want to point out a few. So there's, you can go to uh, uh, NBC Sports Soccer has a bunch of stuff on this, and you can find the the court the the uh, release court documents. Um, one of the uh, uh, lawyers for one of the defendants from 21st Century Fox, uh, one of their subsidiaries, is uh, his name is Stephen J. McCool. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought that was fucking hilarious. It is so good. And the fact that the fact that Chuck Blazer's testimony is still coming back to haunt these guys. That dude, and that dude's been dead for like five years. Yeah. Right? Yes. Whatever He's happened. Awesome. To, whatever happened to his uh, palatial palace with all of his cats? Oh yeah, his cats had their own condo. It wasn't it in Trump Tower? No, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he had a fucking cat condo. And yes. Not, uh, and not of the uh, furniture style. Yes. And literally ca a condo. And his place was in a different building. Yeah. In, I think it was in Trump Tower. Oh, <laughs> uh, the gift that keeps on giving. There's, a, there's an awesome picture of him with Miguel Ibarra out there. Oh, that, that's great. I would love to have a copy of that. Mm. If you, uh, Dave's, I know listeners, if you have access to a copy of that picture, send it to us. We will yes. get American dollars uh, for that for that picture. So, all yeah, right. The one um, interesting thing coming out of this, though, is look, FIFA's too big to get sued by member nations. Everybody's sort of doing it. Everybody's dirty. Yada yada yada. Um, Disney, which owns ESPN, very legitimately could sue Fox over this, um, and. I would love to see that in much the same way that I would like to watch uh, like a heavyweight fight uh, because I read court documents for fun because yeah. I'm a huge dork. It's and as I've mentioned on this podcast, a waste of a white chromosome. It would also be hilarious because Disney owns parts of Fox. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they get, but they don't own, well, the, they obviously don't own the RSNs. No. And they don't own the, uh, yeah, they don't own the sports stuff. And they don't own the sport, Fox Sports. Yeah. So, so then they could they could sue. What is it? So they would, would they be Sinclair? Uh yeah, yeah. Good fucking sue Sinclair. Well, so interestingly, Sinclair is broke. Yeah, are they? Like, yeah, because they're nice. not getting any ad revenue for the ungodly amount of money they spent getting RSN rights last year. Nice. So they're they have a massive amount of debt. So if Disney turned around and sued them over this. <laughs> They could take over the RSNs. I, which they would then have to resell because the Justice Department isn't going to be like, lol, you couldn't buy them outright, but you could sue somebody for them. Yeah. No, the, the both sad part broke. About this is, is even if ESPN gets uh, some sort of deal out of this, it won't be in time for the 2022 World Cup. And that means another 2022 World Cup without hearing Ian Dark on, on the mic. So, Yeah. Oh, that 2022 World Cup is going to be horrible. <laughs> I mean, it was, but now, like, they're fucking set up their season. It might actually work out perfectly. Weirdly enough, FIFA, in their corruptness, might have actually done something right. So <laughs> let's take a break. Uh, we're going to come back. We'll talk about uh, MLS uh, 20, year 25. 
Um, we'll check in. Minnesota United actually is in the news uh, recently. Uh, we have a couple other things uh, to talk about. But yeah, let's take a break and we'll be right back in, uh, in a minute. You want me to be that type of dude and I want you be who you like me to but we back and uh there actually has been uh some signs of life in european soccer bill you want to tell us a little bit more yeah so uh some of the some of the bundesliga teams are actually starting to train uh together um it's uh it's it's not the biggest teams that that i've seen um i said gladback uh was was training did you see anything about Bayern, dan Bayern Munich is back up and training. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but most of the teams there have been, uh, you know, they've like, like England, there's no league wide decision on pay cuts and whatnot, but all of the teams there have made decisions on what they're going to do. And like the biggest teams like, like Dortmund and Bayern took a 20% pay cut. Um, I think in, in, uh, in France, the teams took thirty percent, and then uh, and then Juventus just dropped all of their income for the last uh, few months of, through I think it was March, April, May, and June, uh, which would end their fiscal year. Uh, they just won't take any; their players won't take in, any income for those months. Um, the uh, the Italian league had decisions. If I can find it here, I know Barcelona like they did a seventy percent pay cut for the time being, and yeah, there was there were there were discussions. So the the Premier League owners want the players to take a thirty percent pay cut. Yeah, um, like my, voluntarily. My uh, favorite. There's a pushback. There's pushback from from the players, though, and it it actually makes a lot of sense in terms of like labor markets. And if yeah. you are a pro labor person or anti labor person, is like if we take this pay cut, like our taxes aren't going to go in. Like that's money that's going to be taken away from the NHS. Whereas if we, you know, decide to hey, we're going to give thirty percent of our paycheck. Yes. To is this NHS. a charitable contribution or is this or is this a pay cut? And you know, I I tend to be on the side of players when it comes to yeah. don't let the owners fuck you over and take your money because that's how you roll shit back. And, right. So yeah. um, if the and, players are willing to say, Hey, we're going to take 30% of our paychecks and we're going to de- dedicate it to either like, Hey, helping save, you know, the seventh division of, of England soccer or whatever, or, you know, we're going to help with COVID relief or whatever, things like that. I think that is a much better use of their money. Um, also, you're not bailing out fucking billionaires. Right, right, and the uh, the the players union in in England, the head of it, Gordon Taylor, uh, I think there's a decent interview with him in the Guardian uh, from yesterday about it, and you know he talks about why you shouldn't take a pay cut, and uh, and it should not be called a pay cut. Yeah, and uh, it's worth worth finding and taking a read. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, there was another thing uh, in there about about Dortmund turning their uh, 
the the end of the supporters end of their stadium into a hospital for treating people with coronavirus, which uh, you know they that is you know all, all the German teams are are community owned, um, and uh, and so that you know just goes back to what it really should be. Yeah, I mean even like oligarchs like Roman Ibrahimovic, uh, like his the hotel he owns, like he basically like let it go to like NHS employees in London to like have them be able to like be close to the hospitals and things like that. So like, you know, even the fucking Russian uh, oligarchs and oil money guys are actually doing shit, which is, it's a a pretty uh, crazy state of affairs. Um, Yeah. So with not a great transition, but let's talk about the, uh, the very first season of MLS. Yeah. Uh, uh, If you weren't following today, uh, the 6th of April, was uh, the official 25th anniversary of uh, the very first kickoff of MLS. And so ESPN2, as well as uh, MLSsoccer.com, which does not recognize us as a Minnesota United podcast. So fuck uh, MLSsoccer.com. But they have uh, have a bunch of stuff up on the 25th anniversary season. Uh, There's been a bunch of matches. Actually, there are matches that are still going on in ESPN2 as we record this podcast. A um, couple that stood out that were on uh, the very first match of uh, MLS history, uh, San Jose Clash versus DC United. This is before yeah. the earthquake. Um, and then uh, most like another classic match they showed was the DCU, DCU versus LA, Gal- LA Galaxy 96 uh, uh, MLS Cup final. Yeah. In New England when they, when this is back still when MLS was doing Super Bowl style uh neutral venues for their for their finals um so what do you what wants to start uh i will since it was the first match okay yeah san jose clash versus dc united so, so to kind of set it up um so dc united's coaches were actually bruce arena was their head coach and bob bradley was his assistant coach yeah and uh they took that job um mls kind of came around came a you know it came a around really fast um, because they had already taken the job as the Olympic coaches. Um, So they ended up that summer both coaching DC United and the Olympic team. And uh, and DC United got off to an okay start and then they really kind of bombed through the summer and that's when they were doing the Olympics. And and then uh, they came on strong again in the fall and ended up somehow making it all the way to the final. Yeah. And, uh, but, but that match was great. It was, uh, and, and when they showed it today, it was, uh, they had, they actually had, it was done very much like the matches that we've been doing where it's, you know, the match was, you know, one part of the screen and then they had kind of four talking heads uh, off to the side and it was uh one was the ESPN guy who I don't remember who it was. And then they had, uh, they had Eric Winalda who played for uh, San Jose clash and they had Jeff Agus who played for DC United. And then they had Bill Hamid, who I guess was just in the studio or something that today. <laughs> Hanging around. Yeah. yeah. Want to co-commentate the game with us? Yeah. And he was great. Um, but it, it, it was really, and it started off, uh, kind of slow they they didn't you could tell those guys were you know a little nervous around each other and by by halftime they were having a blast 
and really ripping each other and having a good time. And, uh, and it was, it was really good. Um, and that game came right down to the end. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to spoil a game that's 25 years old though, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, Eric Winalda scored the winning goal, uh, just in the last, in the last couple of minutes of the match. First, first ever goal in MLS history. Eric. Yeah. And so they won it one to nothing. And, uh, and man, was, who, man who uh, who coached a team on Skype, Eric Winalda. Yep. Silvana Silverbacks. Yeah. And he, uh, they wore those beautiful white and green and teal jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty damn ugly. And uh, all those jerseys, I think, were made out of lead and canvas. They look like they, you know. They looked like they were as heavy as chain mail. And, uh, God, if you got wet in those things, it must have just weighed a ton. Um, so, yeah, it was a great match. Um, and uh, the clock counts down instead of going up. And, uh, yeah. No, no, no injury time. No stoppage time. Yeah, no stoppage time. This was American sports uh... – you know, trying to let the American sports community into soccer very, very gently. You know, oh yeah, buzzer. You know, we can't we can't handle change. Yeah, yeah. That so, if you are not familiar with uh, MLS 1.0, um, it was a it was a whole fucking different animal. Yeah, than any soccer that you know nowadays. Um, DC United uh, was actually kind of a juggernaut in those first few years of uh, they were, they were. If, you've been, if you only just started following MLS and say the last like 10 years you say DC United oh like the worst team in MLS history um yeah, they were actually uh they're actually quite good for uh for a while uh won yeah. a bunch of titles won some open cups um yeah made it to the finals of this season actually as a matter of fact a, a game that was on uh, a little bit later that uh, MJ's going to talk us to talk to us, talk us through here in a, in a sec. But uh, yeah, the San Jose, and you might be saying San Jose clash. What is that? Like that's, they're not the earthquakes. Yeah. They clash moved to Houston, became the dynamo. Yep. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there was a, and then a new ownership team came in and, yep. and started a new team. San Jose. San Jose. So, yeah. So yeah. Well, it, well, it's funny if you go back and look at if you there's graphics around of the uh, all of the uh, original logos. Um, yeah. Only the Revolution, the New England Revolution, they're the only ones who have not changed their logo. Yeah. It's the same fucking logo from 1996. DC's, DC's is based on kind of the same premise, but it's not the same. The New England no. Revolution one is the same. Exactly. It's Bob Kraft. Uh, is a fucking penny pincher. Oh, no kidding. Penny, spent any fucking money on his goddamn yeah, MLS brand. It looks like it was designed with Crayola crayons. <laughs> and uh, Jesus. Hasn't fucking changed. Is it come yeah. back around good? Uh, on a, like, actually, it actually is one of the ones that's like, oh, yeah, that actually, that's a decent, I like that logo. <laughs> Like with with a lot of teams going to that sort of rougher style with kind of frayed edges, not quite as clean now. All of a sudden, it looks quasi modern again. Yeah. So I think they have successfully waited out the "you have to change this." It looks so bad, and now it's retro good. Go fucking yeah. figure. Also, never forget the fucking whiz. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, the, the whiz changes, Dave, Dave. That that's what I was looking at for the MLS Cup playoffs from 1996. 
other than DC United and LA Galaxy, the two finalists, Columbus Crew was the only one in the playoffs that has not changed their names or gone under. You know? Which they almost did. They almost did. They did. And they had a they had a legit logo. They only recently changed their logo. Um, yeah. The crew logo was fucking great. I don't know why. I mean, I yeah. know why they changed it because of Anthony fucking Precourt. But um, they, they they actually had a legit a decent crest as well. So, yeah. Same uh, crew. Speaking of, uh, MJ, why don't you talk us through uh, uh, cool. DC versus LA Galaxy? I mean, everyone else watched this too, right? We all watched this? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, so j- just jump in with – I was not watching soccer in, in 1996. So my, my entry was the 1998 World Cup. So it was nice to see some names I remember from watching the the World Cup, you know, people that were on the U.S. men's national team, things like that. That brought back some memories. But I have no memories of this because I wasn't watching MLS. So it was shocking to me to see a clock that counted down, that there was no uh, injury or stoppage time, that, uh, you know, every time there's a – potential offside offside rule is being explained in an excruciating amount of detail and <laughs> you know these this was all new to me so uh the sponsorships on the backs of kits underneath the numbers and I, i'm wondering if mls said yeah you know if you pay a little bit more money sponsors we'll, we'll put you on the front side like every other league in the country uh world but whatever except mexican my yeah. had the uh the back sponsor. So I suspect that's where they took it from. I, I think that I think they were they just they didn't want to have uh, sponsors on the front of kits because it was not American. Like they sure. knew right. they, knew like they could get away with it on the back because you know Liga MX uh, MX is at it. But um, but yeah, I think it was mostly because like every American is is you know um, conditioned to see the team name on the front of their shirt, right? Chicago or yeah. United or, or or twins or fire or whatever like they're not they're not conditioned to see bimbo yeah <laughs> Makes the sense. Or, or, health services or you know United health services or whatever so the thing that really struck me about the shirts was how big they were these things are the size of starter jackets and <laughs> just, just like Bill's point they looked freaking heavy yeah, they looked like the old school like baseball jerseys that were made of wool. Yeah. Or, yeah. And then in this game, for those of you who didn't watch it, it had rained like two inches the day before, or like three inches over the course of the last two days, and was pouring. If they had played this game in a pool, it would have been drier. They got Foxborough got hit with Hurricane Lily, and then in the aftermath of Hurricane Lily, a huge nor'easter went through there. And so, like, these wool-ass looking shirts – go from, oh, that looks heavy and vaguely unpleasant, to those guys actually can't move very effectively. <laughs> looks like a weight vest. It you seriously know, did. But it's weird. I have, I have jerseys from, like, Liverpool, of like, like, from, like, the mid-'90s, and it's the same thing. Like, I, I put that jersey on now, and I'm like, I walk around in it, and I'm like, how in the fuck did someone run around and sweat in this thing? Yeah. I'm walking around, and it's, I'm just, I'm like, it's like a fucking lead vest on me. Like, compared to, like, the shirts I have now from like Minnesota United and Liverpool and, and Minneapolis city, I wear those. And it's like, I'm not even wearing a fucking shirt. It's like, you know, breathable and all that. But like I put on like a group, like my Carlsberg, uh, my Liverpool, like long sleeve green Carlsberg Jersey, which is to be fair, a large. And I wear, I wear a medium and I'm just like, I'm like fucking 
swimming in the goddamn thing. Like, how would, how? So, for, for any young, you, an MLS thing, I think it was generally a, a Jersey technology thing. Yeah. For, so. for, for any youth listening to this podcast, uh, wicking technology was not always there. This is a, wicking technology that actually takes moisture and helps evaporate that away from your body is a very, very new invention. Yeah. Yeah. So. It was really hard to tell. I, I, so I tuned into the game kind of expecting to kind of lull MLS 1.0. And I do want to double back and ask the question when MLS 1.0 ended. But honestly, the field conditions were so bad. You couldn't even tell what the level of play was because it was the equivalent. Like guys would overhit passes by a third, a half, too much, and the ball would just stop. So it, it was very difficult to judge the quality of the play. Uh, local hero, Tony Sane, scored DC United's first goal as part of the comeback, so that was fun to see. Uh, the other thing that struck me about the game, uh, probably something not a lot of other people really focused on, but uh, one guy was wearing a white puka shell necklace and uh, that was super popular in the 90s, and it <laughs> caught my eye, and I realized almost everyone on that field was wearing a necklace during the game, which I feel like you don't really yeah. see. Yeah. Very 90s. Uh, and that that first game, halftime at the halftime of the game, they interviewed Alexi Lalas, <laughs> and he he had the worst choker necklace on. He's never been one for like stylish. No, ever. And I think he's willing to fully admit that as well. Oh, completely. If Alexi Lalas wants to come on the podcast, Alexi, we can we can zoom you in if you want yes. to uh, defend yourself. But yeah. We'll talk chokers. Yeah. So, I mean, Dan, to your, uh, to your question. Um, so, I don't know, like, the general sort of, I guess, MLS 1.0 versus MLS 2.0. <coughs> um, I think a lot of people would consider MLS 2.0, like, Beckham arriving and, like, DPs being a thing. So, sort of, you know, that influx of um, high-end foreign talent being like the MLS 2.0. So kind of starting to embrace, I mean, MLS 1.0 is kind of fucking wild, wild west of soccer. Like they literally did like run up uh, penalty kicks uh, to mm-hmm. decide games. Which like, they should bring back. You know, golden goal, like, you know, overtime rules and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I think, so 2.0 would, you know, a lot of, I think, I think a lot of people pinpoint, 2006, 2007, I think 2007 was when David Beckham joined the league. And so, mm-hmm. and, and that's when they, you know, MLS started creating rules specifically for the LA Galaxy to take advantage of the league uh, and take advantage of, you know, having owners of money and Herbalife uh, being a shell corporation um, and our pyramid scheme. Pyramid. Took everybody's money. So I think that is like 2.0. And then, you know, I don't know. I guess technically I think we're in MLS 3.0 and 3.0 being, you know, uh, sort of NYCFC, Atlanta groups coming in with, you know, ownership groups coming in with a lot of money and, and, and sort of changing the game in terms of, the, you know, young DPs and things like that. So yeah. And rapid expansion. Yeah. So yeah. Like 1.0, like the end of 1.0, basically like what the fusion folded, the Miami Fusion folded, and there was one. Who was the other team that folded? The Tampa Bay Mutiny. The Mutiny folded. Yeah. 
and then the San Jose clash went like moved to Houston yeah. uh, and it was like very sort of kind of dormant, but you know, and at the end of 2.0, sadly, we lost Chivas. RIP. Sadly. Are we sad? Pour one out for Chivas. Are we sad about losing Chivas? Pour one out. <laughs> a Chivas for Chivas. Wear, wear your Chivas jersey next time you're at an LAFC match. <laughs> wow. You want to get fucked USA. up. That's a good way to get fucked up. <laughs> Those people don't even know who they are. Oh, no, they really, but they hate when you call them Chivas. Uh, Chivas yeah. uh, listen, when when the uh, LAFC came to town last week, or yeah. last year, uh, yeah. when West put on the board uh, Minnesota United versus Chivas, uh, <laughs> some people came to the Blackheart from, from the LAFC fan groups and were like, just fucking livid. <laughs> fucking livid. <laughs> that was what it was on the board. And uh, uh, they got the bartender Tony to uh, change it to LAFC, but they were fucking living. I mean, in, in like living in like a fun, like, ha ha. That's awesome. Like, fuck you. But like, we get the joke, but fuck you uh, <laughs> kind of thing. So anyway, that so, should be. Yeah. Uh, cool. Anything else on uh, MLS uh, 25? Um, obviously <coughs> to return us to the hairstyles podcast of lore, the DC United in that first MLS Cup final, which the trophy was not a wow. cup. It's a giant soccer ball with some laurel leaves on it or something. But hmm. okay, they called it the cup, MLS Cup. The DC, DC United clearly won won the hair contest. Um, you had hockey hair, J- John Masner. You had uh, massive mane, Marco uh, Echeve- Echeverry, and uh, action villain Jeff Agus, who had both. Uh, a uh, long hair flow with a ponytail that wasn't in separate from the flow. Yeah. Soccer, the whole world round had hockey hair, you know, at, at that time it was insane. And yet it was all so much better than just a few years later, which they showed uh, the MLS cup in uh, Landon Donovan's first season when oh, yeah. all 22 players had bleach blonde tips. Yep. Frosted goon squad. Oh, yeah, they, uh, yeah. I, I have one other comment about it. it. You know, I mean, a little bit of a sad thing is, is I know the league had some big plans uh, for this year, um, it being the 25th anniversary. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's sad we won't get to see any of that. Yeah, it is for sure. I feel like as much as MLS is now at a point where it has legitimacy, it is growing rapidly in world esteem um it isn't people don't even joke about it being a retirement league anymore um oh we can where where we can look back at uh at the 92 96 or 96 one other thing from that final uh manny manny lagos is on the bench (laughs) and uh and because he was injured and they're talking about him, and they're saying what a great player he was. And uh, and then they, they say, it. and his dad, there isn't a greater ambassador PR person for soccer anywhere in the country. Which is true. I mean, that's... Yeah. So, how cool is that? St. Bud's Lagos, everyone. Yep. But the fact that we, like, look back at the 96 season and laugh a little bit, make fun of the kids, I think it we can only do that because MLS is at a point 
where it's okay to laugh about yeah. that stuff. And, yeah. you know, hey, we thought the Dallas Burn was a good idea. And now if you pitched a team called the Dallas Burn with a rip-off Detroit Pistons logo, like, you'd rightly get booed out of that meeting. And so yeah. it is. Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a roller derby team, right? The Dallas Burn. <laughs> is it really? No, it's not. Um, it sounds but, like one. Yeah, you should, it could be a roller derby team. It David mentioned the KC Wiz earlier. What's that, MJ? You mentioned the KC Wiz earlier. You know, like who? If you came up with with a team name KC Wiz and want to market that today, you would be laughed out of the, out of the boardroom. Yes. Yeah. The Maybe. the early names were not great, but they were reminiscent of the American sports names that we sort of knew at the time. So it's understandable, but hilariously bad. Yeah, it took us twenty years to get out of it, but hey. We are where we are now, so. Um, Let's talk about some uh, Minnesota United news. Um, So, uh, big news from the team. Obviously, they've been doing a little bit of stuff to help with the COVID-19 response. Um, They donated a shit ton of food. Uh, uh, The front office um, sewed and put together a bunch of masks uh, that they donated to uh, the Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute in Golden Valley, which is fucking awesome. I don't know if you saw the pictures on uh, Twitter and Instagram today. They're great. They're like soccer balls and really cool stuff. So that's really great. Um, the team is contributing uh, to the St. Paul Bridge Fund, um, which is going to give money to low-income families and um, businesses, small businesses uh, uh, affected uh, by COVID-19. Um, it's up to... Is that $3.85 million right now? Yes. Yeah. So uh, and, uh, it's pending approval right now. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And so the, there's uh, some parameters and, and limits on, on what that can happen. Um, so that's really great. Um, there's a lots of really awesome uh, uh, foundations and nonprofits that are involved with that, including the uh, Knight Foundation, Ecolab, Securian, Minnesota United, Minnesota Wild, uh, excel um the uh so yeah so lots of really good stuff and then the other sort of bigger news that is you know obviously affects Minnesota United fans so um full disclosure i'm on the neighbors united funding collaborative advisory board um, and we've been trying to get the team in, engaged with the, this is basically the community benefits fund for those of you uh, hamlin midway neighborhood yes yes they, it was but it's you Midway and union park it's that's why it's called the neighbors united funding collaborative um, but it's, you know, obviously a lot of it is based in the midway, we've been trying to get the team involved in this to get some money, any money to it. Um, the dark clouds have given money, uh, Concordia university has given money. Hamlin has pledged money. Um, uh, Hamlin university has pledged money. <clears throat> um, found out from the team that they're giving $75,000 to this fund, which is hosted actually by, um, the, uh, St. Paul foundation. So they're the fiscal agent basically for it. Um, to help with COVID uh, relief for small businesses in the Hamlet Midway, uh, you know, the surrounding area around Allianz. So that's really great. Um, that's still, it's all very, the money literally just got transferred recently. Um, we're all working on processes and applications and things like that. But it's, so the team is, you know, took them a while. It, it took them, it took a fucking global pandemic, but they're stepping up which is really great and just want to shout out the team and Bill uh, McGuire. So I think Bill McGuire is like contributing half and the team is contributing half. 
of the $75,000, which is uh, really great and is going to help like boost this up and, and allow us to do other, other really amazing things. So thank you to the team. Thank you to Bill McGuire. The other Bill McGuire. The last Dr. Dr. Bill McGuire. Dr. Bill McGuire. Uh, all right. Stay in school, kids. Get your doctorate. Yeah. And then uh, take over a uh, health fund and uh, short sell your stock. And No, 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 no. That's a different felony. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, which does not undermine market confidence. All right. Speaking of a crime, you know, one of the th problems with this podcast that, that is a crime is you've, you've given me a, a weekly spot for me to talk about Once a Loon. I mean, I just, I don't give it to you. It's there because you did it last week. And so do you want to do it this week? Like, I can just take it away. Yeah. <laughs> There's... Uh, this is uh, Once a Loon, I believe, uh, episode three, uh, but we're going to talk about Memphis 901. This is, the, this is Memphis 901's first year in U the USL Championship. They were not a team before. The ownership group is Peter Freund, who's the principal owner of Trinity Sports Holdings. Trinity Sports Holdings owns three minor league baseball teams and a fifth division uh, soccer team in England. Uh, Dagenham and Redbridge FC. Seriously, they own Dagen Red. Yeah, you you've heard of them. I I mean I lived in London for three months, so yeah. Oh, okay. I I knew I knew you would have heard of like the Charleston River Dogs, but I I didn't think, which is one of the the New York Yankees uh, uh, single A affiliate that they they own. But oh, I definitely know the River Dogs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I didn't know you knew Dagen Red. So of course. Um, uh, one of the one of the teams they, they own is the Memphis Redbirds. They're a AAA affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals. Another one of their owners, Craig Unger, is the president, general manager, and part owner of the Memphis Redbirds. And the third owner, who's also the sporting director and starting goalkeeper, is Tim Howard. Now, why are these guys – did I put them in the Once Loons segment? Well, of the former Loons they have, they have a midfielder, Michael the Rocket Reed, he was on the Minnesota Stars in 2012 and then carried on with uh, after Dr. Bill bought the team for two more seasons with Minnesota United. Uh, defender Mark Birch from uh, the 27-2018 season and forward very briefly for one game he played in 2017 on a midseason loan from New York Red Bulls, Brandon Allen, um, all played for Memphis 901. Brandon Allen really, really gives this segment its name because it was once a loon. Yes. Literally one time he entered the pitch and played some minutes for Minnesota United um, and then decided he wanted more playing time and he went elsewhere. Uh, now, what's weird is Brandon Allen, Michael Reed also played on a, another team together, which was the 2018 Nashville SC, this is USL Championship Nashville SC, not new MLS ownership Nashville SC, um, with one other player. Uh, this is the player that played with Michael Reed at college and at the NSL and at USL. Does anyone know who that is? Justin Davis. Very good, Texas. Uh, he played at uh, University of New Mexico and – for Minnesota United and for Nashville SC. So. 
I only knew that because uh, I know Justin Davis played for Nashville and uh, it's tending to be on the Nashville MLS roster, but we'll probably never see time with Nashville as SC. So. And what do you guys know about uh, Memphis's uh, home opener? Did, uh, did Tim Howard give up like six goals? Tim Howard gave up four goals. <laughs> Welcome to the USL, Tim Howard. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're gonna, so we, we asked you guys to watch the 2016 Open Cup and uh, 2002 World Cup. Let's, we're going to skip that uh, segment um, just because I think we're running. We're, this is podcast going really fucking long. I yeah. I thought it would. We'll, we'll go back to those next next week. So watch the 2002 uh, World Cup uh, round of 16 match, USA versus Mexico, and then uh, maybe watch the uh, maybe watch that after you watch the 2016 uh, USA Open Cup uh, match between Minnesota United and Sporting Kansas City at the Nessie. So watch Minnesota United and Sporting Kansas City first. Watch Joseph Cerro second. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's jump into our tips, tricks, and treats. To survive the Rona, uh, I'm gonna start. Um, I've been reading a book, a new book uh, called "Variations on a Theme Park." Um, it's actually really interesting. It's uh, talking about basically like how um, public spaces are disappearing, uh, and you know, cities and and corporations are taking over. It was actually written in 2002. Um, it's even more fucking prevalent nowadays. Uh, the other thing I'm doing with the Rona is I've been pretty much caught up in most of my reading. I'm actually going to – I started a football manager season uh, taking over Minnesota United uh, like three weeks ago. I'm actually going to start playing football manager from dealing with the Rona. Anybody else have – Are you going to fire Adrian Heath? Oh, I already – no, I already did. I took over the team. I'm, I'm the manager. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, MJ, what do you got? Uh, tips and tricks. Uh, shout out to both Wes Berdine and Sheila Reagan – that are on other podcasts slash radio shows for getting me into Babylon Berlin. I'm loving Babylon Berlin right now. And I also uh, discovered how great baking soda is at cleaning pots and pans. All right. Nice. Anna and I are, uh, so we're also watching Babylon Berlin. Um, we started it like years, like a year ago. And then we just kind of like, just like stopped watching it. But Anna speaks both German and Russian which are two of the languages spoken. Yeah. We watch it, like, we watch it in German and, and or Russian uh, with the English subtitles, so I can understand what the fuck's going on. And her also, like, her favorite uh, history subject was is, like, the Weimar Republic. Yeah, yeah. Like, a perfect Anna show. Um, and I'm, I, I took German in high school, too, and, and uh, tested out of it in college, so I'm like, I can, I can kind of understand them in German just a little bit, but I still need the subtitles. But yeah, Anna's like, basically just like, yeah, just watch, she, watch, she just wants to watch it in German and in Russian without subtitles. So, I I did not take German. I took Spanish, but I I really really love it. Uh, the Weimar Republic's a very interesting time between the two world wars, and uh, Thomas Tickwer, who is a very famous film director who did uh, Lola Rent or Run Lola Run for those of you in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, is involved with it, so that sold me on it right away. Cool, uh, Dan, what do you got? Uh, been cooking a lot. Made a brisket uh last week. Uh, I'm really gonna start a campaign to get grills paid for by HSAs because just going out and uh, like babying a massive hunk of meat for 
8, 10, 12, 14 hours. Is it, it's good for the soul. I'm 100% convinced of this. I, uh, I once took a, a day off as like a mental health day after just a hellish two weeks. Woke up early in the morning, got a brisket. I refer to that as my mental health brisket because it was like, it was the best day off and the best mental health break I've ever had. At the end of it, I had briskets. So that was great. Uh, so I recommend that. Uh, I'm doing a playthrough of Fallout New Vegas. Uh, old school. Well, old school. It's about 10 years old at this point. Uh, for the PS3. Uh, it's weird. It's weird. I'm a big fan of the Fallout series. Um, as like, ah, oh, this post-apocalyptic hellscape. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it, it takes place in US, major U.S. cities after a theoretical war between... Uh, basically the U.S. and the quasi-Soviet Union. I won't get into the lore, but it is basically retrofuturism. So what if culture had stopped developing in about the 1950s? Uh, it's, it's very weird to be living through, excuse me, living through a global pandemic and playing a game that features completely abandoned cities where there's only two or three people around, where there's like one person working a general store in a town and that felt like a weird set piece in a game like oh how could this possibly be that there's one general store and one person working there even though they have no customers and then you sort of walk around like oh, oh, oh this is unsettling unpleasant <laughs> but uh it's a great game i highly recommend it um it desperately needs a remaster um which will never come for structural reasons but uh yeah uh go play some uh, post-apocalyptic fiction and be unsettled by it. Sometimes being a little unsettled isn't the worst thing in the world. Dan, I have a very selfish question about your brisket. Uh, dry rub or wet rub, and what were your ingredients? Uh, dry rub to begin with. Oh, shit. I'm making pulled pork tomorrow, and I was going to rub it tonight. Um, thanks for the reminder, MJ. Um, I'm here for food. Uh, dry rub that was like black pepper, white pepper, paprika, brown sugar. I don't even remember what else went in there. And then a mop sauce of Worcestershire sauce, uh, an obsidian stout and apple cider that I sprayed on like every two hours. Wow. That sounds amazing. I'm, uh, I'm very finicky with my <laughs> when I go out and smoke. Yeah. Uh, there, there are, Plenty of things to smoke, and I would say, why not smoke brisket? It's hard to get high on, I will say that. I'd say weed, been, weed's awesome. I've been smoking. Me too. Yeah. The ganja! I'm reading a book. Yeah? It's called Siren Song. It's a biography, autobiography by Seymour Stein. He was the head of Sire Records. Oh, wow. And uh, he... Uh, he Signed the Ramones, uh, Blondie, um, Talking Heads, wow. Busted Eat Madonna. Um, he discovered all those bands. Um, uh, who else did he find? God, just a million bands. Ice T, Depeche Mode, The Smiths, um, The Cure, and he and he was. One of those guys who probably partied harder than any of the bands he signed. He signed the replacements. Right. Um, so yeah, good book. Um, I, I love like old guys from the uh, record industry type books. Those are always just full of amazing stories. Um, 
the other thing I've been doing, you know, I, I've been writing a lot of music and I play synthesizer, but I've, uh, I've picked back up the guitar and I've just been going through YouTube and, uh, there's all these little short, like two minute videos where people just teach you like old blues riffs. And I just sit and, you know, watch it for a few minutes and then I'll just sit and work on it while I watch a TV show and I'll play it over and over and over until I've got it. And it's, it's awesome. And so just, you know, it's nice picking up the guitar again after a long time. And, uh, and, and I love shit like that. And I've been taking a class. I've been taking a programming class. So I gotta, gotta keep up, gotta keep the skills up. Nice. You should record some of that shit. We could, uh, we could use this interludes. Yeah, there we go. So, you know, record, record some of your, uh, Either your synthesizer shit or, or guitar. Yeah. Or combine them and get a keytar. Mix it oh. all together. A keytar. Yeah. recommendation. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I use a, just a chunk of the fucking uh, intro as our break music. We could always use new break music. Yeah. So, um, All right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, this brings us to our, uh, our weekly segment, Shit on at La Cribs. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, Andy Schletz has no idea who the fucking replacements are. So fuck you, Andy, for not knowing who the replacements are. Um, all right, moving along. Uh, we got some fucking answers. Uh, gentlemen, this question has been sitting in our inbox for a long time. Um, Big Game Grade asks, what animal does the spirit of each of your co-hosts best represent and why? So what is your spirit animal and why? Of course, for uh, political reasons, not political reasons, but cultural reasons, has been replaced by like, hey, what's your Patronus, considering spirit animals? Patronus, yes, that's a, that's, a, that's a great, great, yes, a great way to describe it, yes, yes, we don't want, yeah, we're not, spirit animal, we don't want to, uh, yeah, but what's your Patronus, what is, what is your essence and, and why? So, anybody want to go first? Uh, answer that question. Roadkill of a raccoon would be mine. And why? It's pretty obvious. <laughs> like road, we're just roadkill here in the uh, in the crisis of Corona, and uh, I eat garbage. All right. Because uh, damn, this smells horrible. You ought to taste it. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone right. has ever met my gigantic cat. Uh, you can you can answer this. I have a 25 pound cat whose given name is Darmok, like the Star Trek episode, uh, but I mostly just refer to him as the boy. Um, and he he is me. It's very weird to watch yourself with paws and fur and. <laughs> and but he and I have been through thick and thin together, and uh, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely my Patronus. All right. I'm gonna pick uh, Remy from from the Pixar movie uh, Ratatouille, as as someone who's kind of caught between two worlds, always kind of feels a little bit out of place, but a little bit at home, and uh, really really loves food. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say mine. Mine's a zebra. Name um, Deborah. A zebra, a zebra, um, because I look so. So a zebra looks like a horse, 
but it's not a horse. Um, and I look like a generally sane human being, but I am not a sane human being. <laughs> and zebras are fucking tight. So I'm going to say zebra. Do you know if you crossbreed a zebra and a donkey, it's called a zadonk? I mean, I have some zadonkadonk in my butt. So. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. That was good. I'm glad we waited uh, like three and a half weeks on that, uh, on that question. Um, so. And I thought we kept our mailboxes empty. We, yes. Not, not that particular mail. Doreen, go, go clean out your uh, inbox. <laughs> uh, animals so speaking of speaking of uh uh andy schletz uh he asked us about a a tweet from august of uh, 2019 uh vslt uh tweeted about rejoining npsl soccer in 2020 in the saint paul area and he wanted us to put our best investigators on this um and andy like i have some i have some i have answers to some of your questions on this i'm just gonna say um we'll let's we'll talk once the rona is uh is done and, and over so and then finally uh mj did you throw this one in here with no yeah. yeah this was this was a question last week but it was aimed at me and there's a story behind it uh i'll ask the question first uh how does a scandinavian miss country of origin and asian waitress while uh social distancing and the the reason why he asked this is we were out at Soberfish, who which is a great Thai and sushi place in in the uh, wow, not South Minneapolis. It's, it's uh, Seward. Seward. Thank you. So, and we were we were there, and I had given my my credit card to to the server, and. Maybe this was a little vain or self-centered me, but I assume she doesn't just look at the card and run it, that she actually looks the name name on the card and, you know, maybe checks the signature, maybe. But, you know, my name on the card is Matthew Johnson. You know, the, there's not a whole lot of things Asian about Matthew and Johnson. And she comes back and I just said somewhat flirtatiously, so what's what's your, my name's Matthew. What's your what's your name? And she said her name, and it was obviously Vietnamese, not Thai. And I said, very very sarcastically, very joking. Well, that's not a Thai name. And she gives me this really really ugly kind of confused look. Um, and so th that's the reason why he asked the question. And so the answer to your question, uh, Tom, is is that it's not happening. I I don't do that anymore for one thing because I learned my lesson when I was with you, but. I'm not going out to restaurants, period. So, can you just maybe not be a fucking asshole? Yeah, no. you know, I like I said, I'm trying. I You're, like. I mean, that seems like the right answer. <laughs> well, thank thankfully, due to COVID, no one has to deal with my being an asshole at a restaurant. Fair enough. Fair point. Fair point. Um, all right. Uh, that's I mean that's all I got unless you guys have anything else you wanna you wanna throw in here. This has been a another long ass podcast. Stay at home, fuckers. Yeah, please do. Let's you know, I, I wanna be able to like at least watch soccer at the black cart with like fifty of my best friends 
um, while the team is playing literally a thousand yards away from me. So I'd like to see my daughter someday. Yeah, that would that would be fun. So, all right. Uh, well, oh, everybody... next happy hour, David. Do we have a d- time and date? I haven't decided. Uh, so. I need to look at my schedule and see when we can do it. Um, maybe, maybe, next, maybe the weekend, maybe sometime like on Saturday or Sunday, like do it during the day. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out for that. Uh, we'll throw it up on, on the Twitter again. I'm not going to just blanketly admit people into the uh, happy hour as I did last time where we got the uh, vape presentation and all the dick, all the dick pics. And uh, Lady Lady Vulvas, um, which you know, again, wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it was uh, not what I was expecting to see. I was horrified hanging out with my friends. I missed out. It was hey, it, honestly, it was a blast, and I'm we're, I, I'm definitely going to do it again. We're definitely going to do it again. So keep an eye out on the uh, Dave's I know at TDIKMN on Twitter. Uh, rate and review our podcast wherever the fuck you get podcasts. Uh, patreon.com backslash Dave's I know we actually might do a, a, a you know try and maybe do a patreon specific uh, ask us question sort of thing uh, hey Bill showing us a picture of a dick on his phone thank you Bill <laughs> um, you can always find me you can always find Bill at Bill underscore McGuire uh, send him pictures of dicks um, at MJ Matsu I am at Texas Zeller uh, we have been the Dave's you know this has been the Dave's Land here become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing. Do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son.